You are Locked On Padres. Your daily San Diego Padres podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Lockdown Padres Podcast, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day for Wednesday, June 16th. As always, I'm your host with sometimes occasionally, but certainly not always, the most, Javier Reyes. You might be familiar with some of my baseball-related work at places like Friars on Base, Off the Bench Baseball, or Baseball FYI, or soon to come, Just Baseball. Great site. Check that out in the podcast description, guys. Or my more pop culture slant of things at places like Nerdist, Mental Floss, Inverse, Film, Cred, Bloody Disgusting, and more. And hopefully many more to come. But most importantly, guys, of this year Lockdown Padres podcast, though, you could check out and follow the Twitter page for the show, which is at LO underscore Padres, or my personal account, which is at Javapeno. And that's spelled J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O. And if you feel so inclined, only, only, I repeat only, if you feel so inclined, you can hit me up on there with any questions, comments, or concerns that you might have, and I'll do my very best to get back to you. Can also, through the rest of this week, uh, up until Sunday, send me some five-star reviews on the Apple Podcast app with a review in the description of the podcast, and I guarantee you I will answer that question only for the rest of this week because the time difference and all that stuff, it's delayed when I finally get to see that, and I want to do more proper mailbag call-outs. I think that'd be much more uh, timely and makes more sense because that's what everybody does anyway. You know what I'm saying? I've had enough of the bribery. Uh, today's episode, guys, is brought to you by Locked On MLB. Join the walking baseball encyclopedia. Paul Francis Sullivan, but please, please guys, call him Sully, every day on Lockdown MLB for a unique look at the majors both present and past, featuring exciting guest interviews, routine check-ins from the Lockdown MLB Network's team of local experts, insightful analysis of the day's biggest stories. Lockdown MLB, it's the single best source for daily baseball talk. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcast, guys. Uh, and yeah, for today's episode, uh, it's a little bit of a sad boy one. Um, it's probably going to be a little bit of a shorter one than yesterday's. Uh, huge crossover with Paul. I really enjoyed uh, talking with Paul, by the way. Him and I actually have a lot of uh, intermingling interests, too, uh, when it comes to video games and stuff. So I especially enjoyed, after the call, talking to him about that stuff. That was a lot of fun. Um, but uh, I hope you guys go listen to that, too, because I'm going to repeat some of the points that I made uh, on that podcast today. So we're going to we're gonna be talking about that. We're going to be recapping last night's loss to the Rockies and then going to be answering two listener questions. One that was sent in the Apple podcast section and another that was sent to me uh, via DM. Via the old DM. So that should be fun, guys. Let's get right into it, guys. Okay, so last night, the Padres lose to the Colorado Rockies by a score of 4-8 to eight, and with you Darvish pitching. And on the other side of things, Chi-Chi Gonzalez. You know what his ERA was heading into tonight? 5.74. And it went up by .2 there. 5.76. That's right. Who would have thought that with that matchup that the Padres would end up getting trounced the way they did last night, guys? The Rockies totaling 12 hits in this game. A lot of it coming from from Yu Darvish, or I should say half of it specifically. Let's talk about him for a second. Yu Darvish in this game goes five innings, allowing four runs on six hits, walking two, striking out five. A total of 100 pitches in this one for Mr. Yu Darvish. And look... One of my immediate feelings on Darvish here is obviously been really consistent. No worry about him. His whip is literally still under one. He's fine. 
Cores, this it can happen every now and then. Darvish hasn't been as invincible as he was at the beginning of the season. He's had a little bit of a slip-up lately, allowing four runs to the Rockies, allowing four runs to the Astros and what have you, but uh, I still think he'll get it going. He's just in a little bit of an odd stretch right now, but he's still good. Like He's still been fantastic, definitely an ace for the team. Um, I was a little bit surprised that they kept him in for as long as they did. And the reason why, the reason why is this. When you've got Joe Musgrove in situations this year, where you take him out early at even 59 pitches, at 77 pitches, at 81 pitches. It's a little bit weird. Okay, a little bit weird, but for the most part, they do. Maybe that's a little bit unfair. They do keep Joe Musgrove in for, for the most part. But then just the other day, I'm seeing Blake Snell getting pulled after just 71 pitches. And then tonight, heading into this game, it look, it didn't feel like Darvish was... He was laboring a little bit through the game. He already gave up two runs at this point, and then he gives up the walk to Trevor Story, and then a home run to Ryan McMahon. It's just, it makes me question why there wasn't bullpen brought in a little bit earlier when Darvish's pitch count was already really, really high. I don't know. It's just a question of mine. I'm not going to start hating on Jace Tingler. I think he's been all right. I think that, I talked about this on yesterday's podcast, that bringing in Miguel Diaz I don't think was too bad of a mistake. I thought they had used Tim Hill a decent amount, and Miguel Diaz has actually been quite effective for the Padres. So I was fine with that. But I do wonder sometimes, what is what is up with the, the usage of the bullpen? And man, do I miss Drew Pomeran sometimes. Uh, in this game, while Darvish does give up four runs, the bullpen, well, it has been... Mostly very good. I don't want to insinuate that the bullpen has been a disaster or whatever. This was kind of their their worst game in a while. In this game, Craig Stammen goes an inning. He was fine or whatever. But uh, Tim Hill gets the loss technically in this game, only going one out and allowing two earned runs on three hits, not walking anybody, not striking out anybody. And then Emilio Pagan goes only two outs, allowing two earned runs, uh, just a bunch of insurance runs for the Rockies. And I talked about in the crossover with with uh, Paul how much Ramiel Tapia is one of my favorite players on this team. He's a very flawed player, but he's a very entertaining player. He has a pretty decent game, going two for five with two doubles, two RBIs. Uh, good game for Ramiel Tapia, who I do like on that team. But uh, it was just... Look, yeah, all right, Tati. I don't even know what to say anymore, guys, because here's the problem, right? So Fernando Tatis Jr., highlight of the game, he homers at the very beginning of the game, top of the first, bringing in Manny Machado as well. Um, It's hard for – I'm wondering if I'm going to have to start having some takes soon. And I don't like doing that because I often think in baseball culture and doing covering baseball, it can be a little bit reactionary and way too alarmist to start being the take guy. You know what I mean? You don't want to end up on the Funhouse account. For those who don't know, back after this, it's basically a cat that just makes fun of Mike Francesa all the time. I just saw one last night that was him going on TV saying how the Yankees are lucky they didn't get Shohei Otani and stuff like that, right? You don't want to end up looking like that, and especially in baseball because baseball is just so long, such a large sample size that you don't want to be the take guy. But let me tell you, I'm going to be full, fully disclosed to you guys. I feel like I haven't had enough takes lately. I feel like I haven't been aggressive enough about this team and talking about that. A lot of people are looking at, I swear, I've been making this point for a week now. They look at that Astros series. The Padres' offense blows up. It, it had been awesome for a while now. Next to like the Cubs and Rays, been really blowing up. They have the Tatis home run that causes Donna Orsillo to scream and shout that it's going to the parking lot. The, the, the track and like his gallbladder is about to explode. He's just losing his mind. I feel like a lot of people haven't been paying too much attention to the Padres and how they've actually played over the last few weeks. And the last few weeks have made me think there's no doubt that the Padres need to get a bat because... It's not just like it's not like the guys that aren't performing on the team are doing a little bit of the old Manny Machado routine. 
in the sense that, you know, I don't have any doubt. I think he's getting a little bit unlucky. I think all the there hasn't been any alarming stats for Manny Machado. It's not like the hard hit rate is dramatically down. It's not like he's striking out a ton more. This isn't like when, I don't know why I thought of this, but Troy Tulowitzki, when his star was falling, you know, before he got traded to the Blue Jays, there were actually signs that he wasn't going to be the same anymore, regardless of the Coors effect. Like, he was striking out a lot more. The walk rate was extremely down, so he wasn't looking as good. I'm still confident Manny Machado. No, it's that there's actual tangible reasons to be concerned. Will Myers can't hit anything off speed or anything out low and outside from the plate. Eric Hosmer literally today had a single, and it was like the first time I'd see him hit something that wasn't a ground ball in a long time. And it was barely above a ground ball, too, by the way. Could you imagine if the Padres could get a little bit of something out of their first baseman in terms of offensive production? That'd be really great. And Will Myers, I, I mean... Whatever. I, I I do like the guy, but still, he's been performing badly, and he's had a really great start to the season, but ever since then, he's been, he just does not look like the guy he was last year, neither does Hosmer, and Jerickson Profar is a mess, and it's just not working out. While I love Caratini, and granted, it's not like I'm asking for too much there, and I know Austin Nola's hurt, it's just been a mess, and I gotta, look, we're gonna be talking about trade candidates, I've been racking them up in my head, and I've got an article probably dropping next week about that, it's just really frustrating. I, I, I don't, I have to start having takes. I need to be more aggressive now. I think that's a failure on my part. I've been chilling a little bit too much because the Padres are playing poorly. It would be one thing if we're heading into today's game being like, wow, they might get swept by the Rockies, but whatever. They're just having one of those random times where they're just, they just uh, overlook their competition and just kind of slept walk through a series. But no, they haven't. They didn't beat the Mets. They certainly didn't beat the Cubs. It's just not going well. It's just really not going well for the Padres right now. Um, and I'm not entirely sure what moves exactly to make. I trust AJ Preller, but man, they're in a tough spot. Very tough spot, and I'm just hoping that they don't get swept today and head into this Red Series having just gotten swept by the Rockies. And the Reds are a pretty good team. So that's uh, that's really all I have to say about that game, guys. I want to move on now. Like I said, not too long of an episode today. Let's talk about sports trade. If you haven't heard about it, it's where fantasy sports meets the stock market. It's no wonder it is blowing up. It's really amazing. I can't believe no one else has really thought of this on this level before. They allow you to buy and sell shares in your favorite players just like real stocks. It's a fair and exciting way to cash in on your knowledge of sports. Making money with sports trade is simple. You player values rise and fall based on two factors, their performance in each game compared to the projected fantasy output in that game. The more points scored, the higher the player's value goes. And two, good old supply and demand. The more shares that are purchased in a player, the higher their value goes. You can instantly buy and sell as many shares and as many players as you like, just like the stock market. Simply go to sportstrade.com, watch the How It Works video, and then sign up to get started. Remember, sign up today, guys, at sportstrade.com and discover the fun exciting and profitable new world of sports trading and now also want to talk to you about investing investing it's a little bit similar to uh, the stock market to uh, maybe not exactly similar but still investing can be complicated is basically what i'm getting at guys but whether you're a beginner or you've been investing for years wealthfront makes it easier they have the right tools for every portfolio no manual trades, no picking stocks, no watching the stock market every single day. They automatically handle all the investing based on preferences that you control. They can even help you lower the taxes you pay as you invest. For the average client, their tax loss harvesting can more than cover the low 0.25% advisory fee. Best of all, it's automatic. It's tr they've been trusted with over $20 billion of assets. 
Wild, right? And you can get your first 5,000 managed for free by going to wealthfront.com slash locked on MLB. That's wealthfront, W E A L T H F R O N T dot com slash locked on MLB to start growing your savings. Very cool stuff, guys. And now let's move on to some more cool stuff. You know, I, I was not ranty in the first little segment there, but I was a little bit upset. I'm getting upset, man. This team needs to start at least playing a little bit better because the Giants, they keep going. You know, the Giants, yeah, they lose some games every now and then, but it's not like a trend for them. You know, they're the same team they've been since the beginning of the season. Keep on going. Yes, it's more pitching for them, but at least their offense can hit every now and then. They hit a whole lot of home runs. Mike Yastrzemski hit a grand slam last night, and we thought that he was a mess, and he's been awesome. Even though he's only hitting like 225, he still manages to come up big with runners in scoring position. But anyway, let's talk about some questions that I got, guys. The first one comes from, actually, let's start with the Twitter uh, DM that I got from one Sir Thomas Miller, who said, can you talk about the Joey Gallo rumors tomorrow on the pod? Uh, He sent this on Friday, actually, and since it was Friday, I didn't get a chance to get to it, uh, scheduling and just what I had already planned for the pod. But thank you for the question, Thomas. Look, Joey Gallo is easily one of the top names that's probably going to be on the market, Um when it comes to the trade deadline, obviously. I think that there's a lot of teams that are going to be looking into him. You know, teams like the Yankees, especially, because they lose Aaron Hicks. They have a, a ghost of an outfield. Clint Frazier stinks. All they have is Aaron Judge out there. So it wouldn't surprise me if they trade for him. It wouldn't surprise me if, say, even the Blue Jays, because the Blue Jays have been a little bit trigger-happy. But there's all sorts of teams that can trade for an outfielder right now. I, God forbid any of anyone from our division trades for him. But um, here's what I'll say about Joey Gallo. I've gone a little back and forth on the guy. I really have. I haven't fully decided, I'm going to be fully 100%, whether or not I'm totally in on the guy. I was a little bit concerned at some of the developments last year that he had. You know, while he's never been like this batting average guy, he's basically just a classic slugger. I was a little bit concerned that stuff like his barrel percentage and his hard hit rate went down really dramatically last year. Barrel percentage down by 12.4 and his hard hit percentage down by 9.2% last year. That did get me a little bit concerned because that didn't seem like something that was just him getting unlucky or whatnot and not making contact. I'm not expecting the guy to make contact, so it was a little bit worrying. He has alleviated that a little bit. He still has an incredibly high strikeout rate, over 30%, uh, to be exact, 31.4% this year. But it is a little bit down from last year, which was 35%. But his walk rate is pretty good at 19.4%. That's pretty, pretty good, man. It's really up there. It's actually, to be exact, that's in one of the top percentiles in all of the league. The 100 percentile, according to StatCast. Really great stuff from Joey Gallo. So he's basically just classic walk or home run is Joey Gallo. And he's in average, especially for the position right fielder, right? So even if at times he's looked really sloppy, he was pretty decent last year in the outfield and the year before uh, as a defender, got a really strong arm out there, decent range as well uh, for the most part, especially when it comes to getting a good jump on the ball. So I've gone back and forth because part of me is I could see this guy going the way of the Chris Davis. And I mean Chris Davis with a C. Honestly, the Chris Davis with a K would also fit, but mostly Chris Davis with a C where it's this guy who's a superstar slugger and all of a sudden can't even hit above the Mendoza line. You know what I mean? So, like, I could see it going really, really poorly. And on the other hand, when it comes to just more the the kind of logistics of it, trading for Joey Gallo would be a little bit tough because last year, the reportedly the Padres were kind of interested. They had been looking around, but apparently the Rangers, there's some rumors that they had been asking for Luis Patino in the trade and some more things. 
I heard, I don't know if this one was true, but I heard Luis Patino and Jake Cronenworth. So if the Rangers are asking for that much stuff, I'm not sure you can go for it. I imagine now if you kind of translate it, I know Mackenzie Gore dropped a whole bunch, but he might be one of those guys that they give up in this case, or maybe you give up Robert Hassel, but I wouldn't give up that guy necessarily either. You certainly don't want to give up on Mackenzie Gore. I know you'd be selling low, in my opinion. You'd be selling super low to trade for Gallo if you gave up Mackenzie Gore. I know that he's been a little bit of a mess, but it's just way too early, man. It's way too early. It's his first AAA action. Do not give up on Mackenzie Gore yet. And yes, I know that they would be, in fairness, the Rangers probably should ask for a decent amount because he becomes a unrestricted free agent after the 2022 season. All right, so that's the big thing, right? Like, you would have some control over him. He'd be heading to his third arbitration. So I do get that perspective of things, turning 28, maybe entering his prime years, perhaps. I get it. I get that. I think in a in a vacuum, the potential of swapping out Will Myers and Joey Gallo makes a lot of sense because he does walk a ton. He does. Walks a ton. And I just think that, you know, and, and plus I know that he's not like, this isn't some all-star level um, defender, but he's certainly a lot better. I know that Will Myers is out above average this year, pretty good, but I just think that part of that is him getting a little bit lucky. And I swear, just not a lot of balls are getting hit his way necessarily that are catchable in the first place. Could just be me, but I don't know exactly. Um, so, yeah, like, look, in a vacuum, I would like to get Joey Gallo. I think that, let's just say this, I wouldn't be upset if the Padres traded for him. I would not be upset because it is definitely a potential upgrade, and it's a guy that you control. But, you know, you, you do have to be careful. How much do you have to give up, given all the factors that I just mentioned? I'm not totally sure, and I'm not totally sure if this guy, the strikeout rate is eventually just going to be a little bit too much. And not to mention... On-base percentage isn't really this team's issue. It's just hitting with runners in scoring position and putting everything together, right? We have some on-base guys. We have Tommy Pham. We uh, allegedly will have uh, Manny Machado at some point uh, come back and do some good stuff. We have Trent Grisham. We have Jake Cronworth to a degree, and obviously we have Tatis. The biggest problems right now are, are Myers, Hosmer, Profar, and just honestly just in general the offense, but like... That's that's the thing. I don't know if a big on-base percentage guy that is going to cost as much as Joey Gallo is necessarily the right move. But then again, I'm working on a piece for this next week. I might change my mind literally tomorrow. I have to genuinely think about this. There's just something about Joey Gallo I don't totally, totally trust. But again, that's just a feeling thing. I don't necessarily have too many stats to back that up. But guys, you know what I can definitely back up? My love for Built Bars, guys. The best protein bars on the planet, guys. I love their variety of flavors. They're kind of like the Ben & Jerry's of protein bars. They got all sorts of flavors from peanut butter brownie to mint brownie, raspberry, coconut almond, all these limited time flavors that you have to look out for. You know, birthday cake, all that sort of stuff. Coconut brownie chunk. They've got all sorts of good stuff, guys. And of course, they are healthy for you. Most of the flavors have 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar, and only 4 grams net carbs how awesome is that guys what are you waiting for go to builtbar.com and use promo code locked 15 and you'll get 15% off your first order remember that is promo code locked 15 for 15% off at builtbar.com and also guys want to talk to you about bet online the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action baseball season obviously in full swing you can check all the action at bet online and get all the latest news also on all your sporting needs for the nba nhl all your ufc mma action they've got you covered before the next pitch head over to bet online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news sign up bonuses and contest information do not sit on the sidelines anymore you chump as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep 
for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Remember to use that promo code Locked On. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. And now, guys, let's keep it moving. We're talking another listener question. This one coming by way of Apple Podcasts app. Really cool stuff. Remember to send me stuff uh, you have until Sunday. Otherwise, I won't be taking uh, any questions from those anymore. I mean, still send me some five-star reviews. I really appreciate that, guys. Trying to get my rating up. Um, But it is titled Tatis Injury from GoBrowns13. Just a username to be coming up on a Padres podcast, I guess you could say. Question. Do you think that Tatis could re-aggravate his injury? And if so, how badly? Or, and or, he says, how good slash bad can the Padres starting pitching get? Okay, so you gave me the or option, and I really appreciate that because I did talk about Tatis last week and whether or not he should be in the home run derby and whatnot, and I kind of talked about that, and I also have talked about all season how, yes, he could definitely re-aggravate the injury, but I do kind of trust to a degree that he has been playing for a little bit now, and honestly, anybody could get hurt at any time, and I think that one of the things I mentioned in the home run derby thing, go listen to that, is it might be the first time ever where I'm like, I actually think that this might be a case where participating in the home drum derby might have an adverse effect on the player's second half production. Because I think largely it's a myth. But go listen to that podcast. I did it sometime last week. And otherwise, let's talk about this question, how good, bad can the Padres starting pitching get? Well, the starting pitching has been awesome this year. Just a, another, re- you know, I like updating just kind of the peripherals when it comes to the Padres pitching. They're still first in ERA in all the majors, first in batting average against, and second in walks and hits per inning pitch. Now, that is, of course, also including uh, the bullpen, but you're talking about starting pitching. I think the Padres starting pitching, how it's about how good it can get, not how bad it can get, right? So you already know what you have out of you, Darvish. You Darvish has been excellent, and I don't think anything's really changing. There isn't some overwhelming luckiness with his stats. It's not like guys are absolutely – when they make contact with you Darvish, they do kind of hit him a little bit hard. He, he can give up a home run or two every now and then. But for the most part, the whiff percentage is still pretty good, at least for him. And then his strikeout percentage is really good. He is not allowing many guys to get on base via the free walk. Just very, very good. You know what I'm saying? Like, just an awesome, awesome pitcher, and I love his repertoire of pitches. And then you've got Joe Musgrove, who's been the biggest breakout, in my opinion, in all of baseball. Probably, well, no, not biggest breakout, I should say. Been one of the best offseason acquisitions in all of baseball. Uh, He's been awesome. Yes, he can get yeeted out of the park every now and then uh, with that curveball that'll hang up in the zone, but he's been awesome. And then you've got Denelson Lament, who's hopefully making some progress and returning back to more of a starting role. I like what I've seen from him lately, especially even though he gave up some runs in that Cubs series against a good offense his slider striking out like a bunch of guys and making people miss on that slider which is the most important part and then Chris Paddock has been like one of the best four or five starters in the league he's been incredible like just where he's coming in he's been awesome ever since he came off the COVID list and then you have Ryan Weathers who's been a really uh, nice addition to the team really big breakout rookie for the team this year and then you have Blake Snell So if you take into account how good the Padres rotation already is, and the fact that I think Blake Snell, while I am obviously worried about him, we're on like DEFCON 4 with Blake Snell, right? He just has not been what we traded for, especially considering we traded a decent amount for Blake Snell, for sure. We did not get him cheap, unlike with you, Darvish. Um, Blake Snell, to a degree, I'm like, all right, we really think he's going to keep up with a 4.9 ERA, though. Like, we think he's going to be that bad. You could talk me into, like, a, a low 3, like a 3.8 or something like that. But this is a guy that has a lifetime ERA of 3.4. You know, this is the highest his ERA has been since 2017 with the Tampa Bay Rays. It's been a long time. 2018, he won a Cy Young. 
2019 admittedly was a little bit weird and then 2020 he was good so I just yeah a little bit inconsistent don't get me or maybe I didn't totally uh instill a lot of confidence there with the ERA that was above four but still I just don't see him I just think he has to get better I, I really do I still think the strikeout stuff is really good the walk rate is concerning but I just think he has room to improve now how much better can it get I don't think they're going to call it Mackenzie Gore necessarily immediately unless some injury happens but I just think that Blake Snell is going to get better. I think that at minimum he'll be at least like a league average pitcher. It's going to be very hard for you to talk me into saying that he's going to be like on the Dylan Bundy tier of bad pitchers, right? This guy that is just just completely falling off a cliff. I think that he's not nipping at the corners as much anymore. I think he has to stop thinking that he has to be perfect every time. It's almost like he's trying to recapture the perfection that was his game six uh, pitching in the World Series to kind of like prove the Rays wrong. There's no real evidence on that, by the way, guys. I'm just kind of uh, speculating and kind of projecting onto him, which is a little bit unfair on my part. So apologies to Blake Snell for that. But hes it feels like he's trying to be a little bit too perfect, right? And I even think that his start against the Mets was pretty good. So the Padres rotation is fine. Now, will they make a trade at the deadline? I recommend not doing that because I think you already have a lot there. I think this is more about the offense right now, right? And while, don't get me wrong, you can get an ace starter for not much, Yeah, go for it. You know what I mean? You can never have enough ace quality pitchers, right? You just can't, especially when injuries happen, especially when you're facing teams like the Dodgers who have a limitless supply of great players. You can always get more pitching, but I would say that for sure. I'm not too worried about the rotation. I'm just not. I just think that this has been really consistent all year, and I'm hoping that they get some guys back like Pomerantz and maybe add another reliever at the deadline to bolster that bullpen up, just in case there's a feeling that they don't think that this start from Craig Stammen or Tim Hill is going to keep up. Maybe they're less uh, confident that those guys, guys like Miguel Diaz, we know that Emilio Pagan for the most part, or at least we're more confident that Emilio Pagan should be pretty solid, and we're definitely confident that Mark Melanson should be pretty solid, but just for a little bit more uh, comfort, maybe training for a reliever at the deadline should be good. But uh, hopefully that answers your question, dude, and hopefully I'm going to be talking about the rotation all season long. So thank you to Go Browns 13 for the question. Uh, good luck on your season, man. Uh, Baker Mayfield. Uh, I don't know if he's very good, but that scheme certainly suits him best. He was he very much uh, executed the scheme, the run-heavy scheme that they were in last year. So I'm not going to crap on him too much. But anyway, uh, now, guys, before we kind of uh, wrap up this podcast, let me just talk to you about Locked On Today. On today's Locked On Today, Kevin Durant was all the Brooklyn Nets needed. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. Just under 20 minutes, guys, catching you up on all the sports. Really good stuff. And Peter Bukowski is a legend as the host. Absolute legend. Absolute icon as the, as the host. Um, but in terms of the future of the show, guys, going to be doing a crossover with Jeff Carr of Locked On Reds. That'll be coming at you tomorrow and part two probably on Friday. And then also answering some more questions and maybe talking some all-star stuff. All right. And maybe a little more surprises on the way. Going to be talking uh, to some special guests, you know? I know that I had Andy McCullough on the podcast last week to talk about his U Darvish piece. U Darvish just pitched uh, last night, so go read that piece again. It was really excellent. Um, And go listen to that podcast episode, too. But with that all being said, guys, that about does it for today's edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast, the only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. Remember to subscribe to the podcast, review your podcast from Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Himalaya, Overcast, where 
ever. And be sure to send me some five-star reviews on the Apple Podcast app. You have until Sunday to send a question in there that will guarantee to be answered on the show. Follow the show or myself on Twitter. And until next time, stay safe and, of course, stay faithful. My prior faithful homies, take care.